So I'm super excited to talk to you guys tonight. Um, and so a lot of times, way ahead of time, I'm planning and preparing what to share. And this week is kind of interesting because as I was praying, um, I had one idea and it felt like the Lord led me to this topic and was like, drilled down, speak on this topic. So tonight we're going to talk about forgiveness and the message or, or, or the title. I love our message is forgiveness. Um, but I'm glad to talk to you guys tonight about forgiveness. I think it's um, just super timely because we just went through Easter, right? And at Easter, we celebrate what? What Christ has done for us. His work on the cross, um, his death and burial and resurrection. And then with his death and burial and resurrection, we learn that what we're forgiven of our sins. We're washed clean, right? That Jesus, for us, conquers death and sin in the grave so that we can be set free from sin. We can be set free um, from all of the bondage that sin places us in, um, and we can be God. And so as I was reflecting on the fact that I'm forgiven, I kept going back to this passage in the Sermon on the Mount that says, like, forgive us our sins as we forgive, and just felt led that we should talk about forgiveness. So not only are we forgiven, but we're called to forgive. Um, and so a lot of this message is going to be from the Sermon on the Mount, which is in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you have your paper Bible, you can turn to Matthew. And it's in chapter 6. Sermon on the Mount is three chapters. It's chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Okay, and um, so within that, we have the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6, where Jesus gives the disciples a model for prayer. And this is within that prayer that we get the crux of our teaching tonight. Um, in Matthew 6, 12, it says, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. Um, and there's a guy that wrote a book on the, well, not just the Lord's Prayer, on the whole Sermon on the Mountain, his name's Archie Kendall. It's super fantastic. Um, so if you're ever like, I want to read more about this, I would recommend his book. It's just called The Sermon on the Mount. Super on-the-nose title, but his name's Archie Kindle. And he says this is the fifth petition in the Lord's Prayer, but this is the first one that deals with our spiritual needs. Right, so as we go through the Lord's Prayer, you know, it starts, Our Father who is in heaven, so we start by acknowledging who God is and where he reigns, right? Um, when we go through these petitions, but then we get to... Forgive us our sins, we forgive those that sin against us, or forgive us our debts, we forgive our debtors, depending on your translation. This is the fifth petition, first one that deals with our spiritual needs. Um, and you guys, forgiving those who've been wicked, unjust, hurtful, etc., it's one of the hardest things to do, right? Forgiveness is hard. Not only that, it's something we have to keep on doing day after day throughout our entire life. It's not one of those things that you're just like, well... I forgave that one time, and I'm done. Forgiveness is a lifestyle for a Christian. Um, we're commanded to forgive. And there's a quote from R.T. Kendall from his chapter on this. He says, I suppose this petition has made liars out of more people than any document in human history. Because how many people, how many possibly of us, have sat in a church where we've repeated with the congregation, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Anybody ever said the Lord's Prayer in a group before? Okay. 
So if you think like throughout the world, all the people have said the Lord's Prayer in a group, like if they said, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me, and they didn't mean it, like, man, that's a lot of liars. Um, <laughs> so we're not going to blame Jesus for that. We're going to say, Jesus, you made me a liar, right? Um, just be sure you mean what you say and what you pray. It's really important. Um, like if you're saying something, if you're praying something, make sure you mean that from your heart. Because if you don't mean it, then A, it doesn't mean anything to the Lord. And B, like if you're lying, that's probably worse than saying nothing at all. Um, so do we really realize what we're saying when we pray this prayer? Because it's kind of heart-searching if we really look at it. First, we're asking God to forgive our sins, our debts. Um, and the Greek word here means what is owed. I'm not going to try and pronounce the Greek word. Um, that would be funny. I'm not very good at Greek pronunciation. But it means what is owed. We owe a great debt to God. And what God calls us to is pure obedience. Not sort of obedience, not kind of obedience, not obedience when I feel like it or it suits me. Pure obedience. Um, anything that falls short of that, because pure obedience to God's word, that's what gives him glory. So anything that falls short of that, anything that falls short of giving God glory, is sin. Um, thus, we've all sinned, right, and fall short of the glory of God. It says that in Romans 3.23, if you want to verse on that. We're all sinners. That means we've all done something wrong. We all owe God lives of transparent obedience, pure obedience, but we fail. We fall short. And it's not just like we all fail. Okay, collective, I'm in this too. Um, we therefore ask God to let us off the hook, to forgive us. And when we ask God to forgive us, we're asking him to overlook the debt that we owe as a result of sin. And we're asking him to just wipe it away. Like when they're riding on a dry erase board, we're asking God to just... Except sin's not as easy as dry erase markers. We're asking God to wipe it away. So we can see Jesus' grace in this, even that he teaches us to pray this prayer. Because he asks for obedience. Like throughout Jesus' teaching, he asks for obedience. But then he gives us this prayer knowing that we'll fall short and we'll need it. Like he, he gives us prayer because he knows. He knows, like, we'll need forgiveness. Um, but then the Lord's prayer goes a step further. And you guys, we might wish Jesus kind of added this part, right? If it was just forgive me and my sins, that would be quite easy, and I would be really happy with this prayer, right? Um, but then it says, as, and it's like a little connecting word, right? As I forgive those who sin against me. Um, so with that plea for forgiveness, Jesus tells us to declare that we have forgiven others, just as God has forgiven us. We're put on the spot, right? Like, it kind of puts you on the spot, like right there in the middle of the prayer to forgive everyone. And it's kind of saying that if we are not willing to forgive others, we forfeit the right to pray the prayer because they're connected. Um, so why would Jesus put it this way? Why on earth would he do this to us? He's bringing his teaching home in a very real way. And he wants it to be real. That's why he's connecting them. We don't get to pick and choose from his teachings, right? Um, we don't get to pick in the Bible and say like, oh, I like this verse and I like this verse. This one makes me uncomfortable, so I'm going to, you know, we don't get to pick and choose. Um, which petitions suit us, which prayers in the Bible suit us. We're brought face to face with the heart of Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God. Um, and the heart of this teaching is forgiveness, right? Why did he come? Forgiveness. And so he brings us face to face with it. 
and we're forced to actually apply his words. And I don't know about you guys, but like, have you ever sat and you've heard a sermon or teaching or Bible study and like you're physically there, right? But your mind is like, okay. Your mind is rabbit trails and you're like, I wonder what the snack is after Kyle sucks. What should I wear to class tomorrow? Oh, I forgot that homework. Um, you know, and now you're all there. No, um, but like, have you ever, have you ever been there? Um, and then sometimes something brings you back. Jesus does that. He's like, not only am I going to teach you the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to force you to apply it. Because like, if you don't forgive others, then I'm saying, I'm not going to hear in the same way your prayer for me to forgive your sins. Like, he wants them to be connected so that we're kind of waking up and like, wait, what? You know, because until that point, I imagine he's teaching and they're like, yes, I will pray that. Yes, I will pray that. Give me my daily bread. Sure, I want my daily bread. You know, forgive me. Yes, I want you to forgive me as I wait. What? You know, and so at this point, he's, he's forcing us to apply it. And he's kind of like waking us up um, to apply these words. And you guys, we each need forgiveness daily. Like, I need forgiveness daily. There are things that I do wrong daily, not intentionally. Um, but then, y'all, I'll be on the way to do one thing right, and on the way, do something wrong, right? We need forgiveness daily, just like we need daily bread. And it's really easy for us to think, I need daily bread, I need breakfast, I need lunch and dinner, right? But I need forgiveness, probably more than I need breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I could go without one of those. Forgiveness, I need it every day. Um, and so, we can never come to the place where we think that we've outgrown the need for mercy. Like, in this life, there will never be a day that I've outgrown the need to say, like, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need you to make me more like you. I'm never going to outgrow it. Right? And, and I think, like, sometimes younger in our Christian walk, we're like, I'll get victorious over sin, and I won't struggle. And we were talking just last night in my ladies' group at my church, and um, the lady that was speaking to us, her name is also Jackie, so this gets confusing. Um, Jackie was speaking to us, and Jackie was listening to me. Um, but she was sharing the testimony of a woman that was like a spiritual mom to her. And at this time that the spiritual mom sat her son down, someday when you have kids you'll get this, but like when somebody takes the time to speak to your baby, your kid, and, and impart something from God, like, man, that means the world to you. So she remembers this very clearly. She sat um, her son down, and she was talking to him. He was a teenager at the time, and she was like, do you, do you struggle to have temptations? Everybody has temptations. Um, and she's like, you're right, everybody has temptations. And he's like, well, you don't have temptations. She's like, she's 97 years old. <laughs> okay. Much older woman. And she's like, no, they don't ever go away. Um, but it's like, they don't. Like, even at 97, this awesome, precious, beautiful saint of a woman still had temptations. She was in a nursing home, but she was tempted to not be grateful for the people that come give her care, to not be thankful for the food that she will serve, even though they're all sometimes nursing home food, not the best. I don't know if you've ever gone to visit an older family member and have lunch with them, um, and you're like, why don't I take you to lunch next time? You know, um, but she said she was, she still faced temptation. Maybe they weren't the same ones she faced when she was young, but like temptation is something that we face throughout our life. So then forgiveness is something we need throughout our life um, because we are constantly at war and learning to be victorious in Christ, right? But, like, we're never going to get it perfect in this life, right? That's why Jesus came, and he died for us. Um, 
So as we read this passage, there's two basic assumptions, right? The first one is we need forgiveness. We're not perfect, right? I'm not perfect. Y'all say, I'm not perfect. Right, nobody's perfect. And the second assumption is this, that people have hurt us. We know that we come short of God's glory and are imperfect. But if I come short of God's glory and I'm imperfect, that means that probably everybody comes short of God's glory is imperfect, right? And imperfect people hurt people. Um, and so as we move into talking about forgiveness, I want to share this with you guys it's from the Kindle book. But he said this, and when I went through my study of the Sermon on the Mount, I spent a few years like studying it, just really digging into it, because I was doing work in my heart through it. Um, this quote, like it, it kind of derailed me and caused me to think completely differently about forgiveness, and it's this. Have you ever considered the possibility that when an acquaintance of yours prays this prayer, it is actually you they're having to forgive. And I think, honestly, when I think about forgiveness, I'm thinking, I'm hurt. And I rarely ever think, like, I wonder how many people I've hurt today. I wonder how many people I've wronged. I wonder if my son is mad, because I was kind of short with him, because we were running late. Um, that happened yesterday. You know, like, and, and, like, I don't sit there and think, like, Outside of, God, I've sinned against you. I'm like, man, I've probably sinned against people all day. There's probably a million times I didn't even know I hurt somebody's feelings or I said something too harsh or I, like, cracked a joke, but, like, maybe it went a step too far. And, like, maybe when they're praying this prayer, they're having to forgive me. And so, like, as you move into forgiveness, just always stay in that humble place of, like, I need it too. And I've probably also hurt somebody's feelings. So, like, you know, and, and it kind of keeps us in a good place to like then be willing to consider extending it to others. We've all been hurt and we've all hurt others, right? And I think it's easy for us to be like, yeah, we've all been hurt, <laughs> right? But then who hurt you? A human, <laughs> right? What are you, a human? Oh, so we all, we've all been hurt, but we've probably hurt other people as well. Um, and so there's another really great resource out there by Joy Schroeder, um, the wife of Dick Schroeder. They're a kayaka couple up in Montana, and she wrote this whole book called Tools for Mentoring. And basically, it's a book for leaders who are mentoring others and teaching them to follow Christ. And then it's also useful if you're just like, I need to know about these things, and I don't have anybody to mentor me, you have a book. And it, it gives you scriptures, and it talks about it. Um, but anyway, excellent resource in her chapter on forgiveness there is fantastic. But she said, you have to choose whether you will forgive as God tells you to or hold on to resentment. You have to choose. Forgiveness is a choice. You guys, you're never going to feel like led to forgive. If you wait until you feel led to forgive, like, you probably won't ever do it. Right? Because um, a lot of times we want to be, like, super spiritual and, like, well, if God leads me to forgive. Okay, he might. But, like, 90% of the time, you're not going to feel led. you got to know. i got to let it go. Um, resentment. And, better, and bitterness block the pipeline through which God's grace flows into your life. This is what Joy said. Joy said, resentment and bitterness block the pipeline through which God's grace flows into your life. If that pipeline is blocked, you are left alone without God's grace to bear the full effect of hurt and resentment. So the reason you're probably not going to feel called to forgive is we're in unforgiveness. We're in a state that we're not supposed to be in. We're in a state of disobedience. So we're not going to have the closeness of fellowship of the Holy Spirit that we have when we're in a state of obedience, right? Like, um, like God, he's with us. He's, we're still, like, saved if 
we don't have forgiveness if you've asked Jesus in your heart if you're a Christian. Okay. This isn't saying like you're going to go to hell if you don't forgive. But you're not going to walk in that closeness and fellowship with God that you do when you're in a state of obedience. Right? As we obey God, we get closer to him and we have a greater sense of his presence with us. We can hear his voice better. Right? And we're disobedient. We distance ourselves from being able to hear that voice. And um, that's probably why you're like, I don't feel led to forgive. And it's like, well, because you're in sin. Um, and like, if you're in sin, it's harder to hear the voice of the Lord. There's, there's just some things that work together with that. Um, but then, so there's this parable. We're going to step out of the Sermon on the Mount and go a few chapters, 11 chapters later in the book of Matthew. There's this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 18, it's verse 21, if you've got your Bible. Um, says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, you guys, one thing I like about Peter, he was always coming to Jesus and like asking him questions and telling him comments. But here's the thing. It's like when you come to Jesus with your questions and your comments and even your really wrong thoughts, you came to Jesus and he can, he can tell you what he thinks about it. Cool. And so like, I think Peter's a really good example because it's like at least he's bringing it the right place. Um, and even sometimes he says something and Jesus is like, no. At one time he says, get behind me, Satan. That's a big no. Right? But he brought it to Jesus, and then Jesus could correct it. So I like that about Peter. But it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? So he's like, I want a quantifiable number of Jesus. How many times? Right? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And that's not literally 77, like we're going to cross it off on a chart, but it's, it's saying, in essence, as many times as it takes, okay? That's what he means by 77 or 70 times 7, depending on your translation. Then he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 bags of gold. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. I mean, remember, 10,000 bags of gold. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. It wasn't that he canceled the debt. He wasn't like, I give you more time. He just canceled it, let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell back to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So, okay, y'all, y'all are responding. You're like, mm, what? Okay. When the other servant saw what had happened, they are outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debts of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, you guys, there are a lot of things that Jesus says that are sweet and that are encouraging but on this one, like, he didn't pull any punches. Like, he puts it as straight and, like, in our face as we 
can. Um, and as we look at this parable, you got to think about who's who, because anytime you have a parable, you got to think about like who represents who in the story, right? Well, the ruler, master, right? Who's that represent? Yeah, represents Jesus. Represents God. Um, yes, in life group they always go Jesus. <laughs> um, okay, so it represents God. And then the guy that owns 10,000 bags of gold, who does that represent? Us. That represents us, right? And then the guy that owns 100 silver coins, that represents others. Right, okay, so we get this. Um, So we get it, right? We get it. So God has forgiven us this huge debt. And you say, I don't owe God any money. We're talking about sin. Because every single sin that you've committed... Before now, in this moment, maybe, um, you know, and then on through the rest of your life, Jesus was already paid for on the cross. I don't know about you guys, but that's a really big debt. That is a really big debt. So Jesus has forgiven us a lot. And so this parable makes us stop and ask, how are my sins against God compared to the sins others commit against me? Right? And like, y'all, people have done some, some pretty horrible things to me in my life. But also, I have to realize that was, that was like one time. That was like five times, right? And then it's like, Jesus is forgiving day after day, moment after moment, second by second, all of my sins. Okay, that's still probably a bigger debt than any like one super horrible thing that's happened to me. Um, so at the end of the parable, the unmerciful servant is handed over to be tortured by the jailer. And... That one's, that's hard for us, because we're like, what does that mean? But when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Because if you look at the negative effects that you've experienced, or the negative effects that you've seen other people experience from unforgiveness, what's the result of that? Right? Like, what's the, like, like, just think. Have you ever had a friend that, like, you know they're dealing with unforgiveness? You can see it in their life, and you can see, like, negative emotional effects in their life. You can see, like, I mean, y'all, like, unforgiveness and, like, bitterness, like, when it really takes root, it makes a person ugly. Like, have you ever met somebody that they're so hurt and they're so stuck that it it makes a person ugly? Okay? And, like, if you're struggling with unforgiveness and you're in this place that, like, you cannot let go of it and you're just like, I can't let go, I'm so mad, and you're struggling with unforgiveness, like, who are you punishing? Who are you punishing? Like, that person that you can't forgive... And you're sitting there, like, seething about and spending every moment worrying about. Like, is it hurting them? No, they're going on about their day. They're going to class. They're, do, they're doing their stuff, living their life. Right? The person who's being eaten up inside and tortured is you. Like, when you're holding on to unforgiveness, you're the one that's hurting. You're not hurting them. Right? Like, even if you, like, get real ugly with it and talk bad about them, it's like, the person that's hurting more is you. And so it's like, not only is it to our benefit and obedience to God to let it go, but it's also our benefit to us, right? Because, like, and then that can cause, like, all kinds of stress and, like, stress-related issues and health issues even if you've, like, ever been around somebody that's really, really experiencing bitterness and they cannot let it go. Um, Like, it can be this lifelong thing, and you see that they're tortured by it. They're tortured by it. And the person that hurts them usually does not even know. Like, they don't even know. Um, And so Colossians... um, 3.13 says this. It says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
Right? So how has Jesus forgiven you? Completely. Right? They say, well, I forgive you today, but tomorrow I might be more mad. (laughs) Or if you do it again, because y'all, like, with Jesus, I do it again. I'm a slow learner when it comes to to sin sometimes. Like, I'm a very slow learner. I'm a little bit thick-headed, right? So, like, aren't you glad he's not like, well, I forgive you for that once, and then you did it again, so, like, we're done. No, that's not what he does. He gets again and again and again, completely. Um, and then Romans 12, 9 says this. It says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So forgiveness, it's costly. And I don't want to diminish that, because I know like some of us in this room, like we've dealt with like real hurt, heavy things. And so this is not to diminish that. It's costly. Sometimes it means accepting undeserved suffering without returning it. It can mean experiencing the consequences of someone else's selfish or evil choices without getting even. Like somebody, if they really hurt you, like sometimes you have the consequence of that. And like you didn't ask for it, you didn't do anything about it. I always think of, in this particular instance, Hagar in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, right? She's the one that bore Ishmael, which was the son that Abraham wasn't supposed to have before he had Isaac with his wife. And, like, every time I read that story, if you go back and read it, it's Sarah's idea to give her her servant to Abraham to have his child. Nobody asked Hagar. Like, nobody ever asked her. I was like, would you like to be involved in this situation that's going to become, like, terribly uncomfortable and make you want to run for your life? Nobody asked her. Like, life just happened to her, right? But then we also see the God of the Bible, when she runs away, seeking her out. And she calls God the God who sees me because he seeks her out and he speaks to her. And like, for this woman, for God to seek out a woman at that time and like speak to her directly, like this is huge in the Bible. It affirms like her worth, the worth of women in general, like, like it's huge, but God like seeks her out. So we see that his heart is for the hurting people. She didn't ask for it, right? And so like God knows, he knows sometimes like things happen and like talk about a consequence, she got a kid that she had to raise. And one of the things God spoke is, like, he's going to be a wild man. <laughs> and I don't know why you guys are probably like, I'm so glad you spoke to me. Say something else. Um, right? Like, but he's going to be a wild man. So sometimes, like, we have to live with the consequences of what somebody has done to us, and that's not fun. And we're not saying that it's fun. But even in light of that, God asks us not to take revenge. But by not taking revenge, you choose to trust God that he's good and faithful, and that he will deal with the person that's offended you, right? Because he still sees it, and he'll make things right on your behalf. And so there's one thing entirely for me to take revenge and make somebody pay myself, right? And like, let's face it, like, I'm not going to do a good job with that anyway. And at the end of the day, I'm going to feel bad about it, and there's just a lot. God says not to do it, so be disobedient. It's a whole other thing to say, like, Man, this person was wrong. Because when we forgive, we're not saying, like, it's okay, you didn't do anything. Nor, like, you did something and I let it go. Okay? Forgiving is not minimizing saying that, like, you didn't get hurt. You said, I got hurt. I got hurt real bad. But then you're trusting the Lord to deal with it. And you can trust that he sees everything and he will deal with it. Right? He might deal with it in this life. And then, like, he might not deal with it until they stand before him in judgment. The Bible says that we will give an account for literally every idle word we speak. 
I think every action is included in that, you know, like we will stand before God and give an account. So there will be a day that the person that hurt you literally stands before God and he's like, hey, what about this? Okay? Like that will happen. You don't have to do it. God will do it for you. And I don't know about you guys, but I think like standing before God and him being like, why'd you do this? Might be just a little bit more intimidating than me being like, why'd you do this? You know, um, so like we leave it to him. We trust him that he's going to deal with it. So it's not saying it doesn't get dealt with. We just trust God to do it. Um, now, so sometimes when talking about forgiveness, this gets totally swept over. Okay, so I'm going to like stick it in here. This is Jackism. It's not in either of the books. But like in light of legal matters, okay, like if it's illegal, you report it. That's not unforgiveness, okay? That's just doing things under the law of our land, okay? So it's like like some people in this room, like you've dealt with sexual assault, you've de- dealt with people stealing stuff, you know, like, okay, it's like, it's okay to report that. That's not unforgiveness. Do as the Lord leads. But like sometimes you want to report something like that, not for you, but it's like, man, if there's a guy and he's going around on campus and he's sexually assaulting women, you don't report it. Like, it could happen to somebody else, right? So it's a little bit like, you're like, I'm stopping this so it doesn't happen to somebody else. You don't have to be mean and ugly and vengeful. You don't have to go tell the paper, right? Like, like you can handle things Christianly, but it's like, if it's illegal, it's okay to report it. And I think in some instances we should. Sometimes in the church, we're like, just let it go. And I'm like, okay, if it's illegal, like, deal with it. Because, like, our country has given us, like, laws and you know, judicial system for such things, okay? Like, but if it's little and it's petty or, like, you're trying to make it legal and it's not, like, you know, like, you're trying to, like, sue somebody over something that's not a real thing, let it go, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Don't make it legal if it's not. Um, But sometimes, like, that doesn't get dealt with, so I'm throwing it in there. Um, So who do we forgive? And, like, Joy in her book, In Tools for Mentoring, she gives us this list, so I'm going to read it to you and you can just kind of think, cool? So who do we forgive? Family. So that includes parents, siblings, other family members. Y'all not married yet, but like at some point you have a spouse, you have children. Um, friends, classmates, coworkers, romantic relationships, romantic others, um, teachers, coaches, pastors, spiritual leaders, medical doctors, police, government officials, other races, groups, and religion, enemies, but Second to last one says yourself. Sometimes we got to forgive ourselves. And that's a real thing. Like, and if, and if you don't do it, then you're like, feel with self-pity and all that. And then the last thing she puts is God. Okay. And this is not, so this is the difference between God and all the other ones. God is not a sinner. God does not do wrong. Okay. But sometimes we do not understand why God does what he does. We do not understand why God allows what he allows. So sometimes in processing things, we need to come and we're like, God, I forgive you. Not that you were wrong, but I don't understand, and I can't wrap my hand, head around it. But, like, i got to let it go and trust you, okay? And, and it's okay. I don't think God's afraid of us saying, like, you let this happen in my life, and I don't know why, but I forgive you. You know, I think he understands that, like, we need to be able to let things go. Um, so how do you recognize unforgiveness? Man, if you have feelings of resentment, so if every time you see somebody, you're like, ugh. Right? You may not say it out loud, but y'all know. Because y'all, like, seriously, this is something like this week. Like, something came up about a person, and I was just like, 
And I was like, oh no, (laughs) where did that come from? I'm like, I don't like this person. I need to deal with that, right? Um, But it's like if somebody comes up and you have like this feeling of resentment and it's like, okay, you should pray about that. You should talk to God about that and spend some time. Um, If there's a person and you have a record of wrongs, so if you notice that like you're in a spat with your friend and all of a sudden you're not just listening, I'm mad at you today because you did this, but you're like, and you always, and then this, and, and you just start listing it, like, there's some unforgiveness there. You work through that. Um, if you're telling other people what someone did wrong, right? So, like, not this would ever happen, because she's super sweet, but say, Rebecca, like, does something wrong to me. And then, like, I tell Jade, and I tell Anna, and I tell Brent, like, okay, if I'm doing that, there's something going on. <laughs> um, right? Or if you're seeking revenge, like, that would not be obvious, but if you're seeking, if you're seeking revenge, um, you definitely have unforgiveness. And, like, we're laughing about it, but it's like, y'all, sometimes this is for real. Like, we have hurt in our life, and you'll be going, out, going on throughout your day, and all of a sudden you're like, where did that come from? Like, man, stop. Take a second and pray. Talk to God about it and, like, deal with it then. Don't just let things, like, build up and, and forgive them. Or not forgive them. So... When you're forgiving somebody, what do you not say? Okay, this is important. <laughs> if you have somebody, what do you not say? So here's, this is a, actually from Archie Kindle's book, but it was really helpful. So if I'm forgiving somebody, I don't walk up and say, I forgive you. Okay, <laughs> and this is why. <laughs> because it's like 90% of the time, they don't know they hurt you. So if you walk up to somebody and you're like, I forgive you. Okay, A, you're mostly saying like, you wronged me. <laughs> Right? In which case you should just be like, I felt hurt when you did this. <laughs> Not I forgive you, right? <laughs> like have a talk about it if you can't let it go. Um, but so we don't say like I forget because like usually you're kind of coming at them and, and it starts this whole awkward conversation of like, for what? <laughs> and then you're like, well, you, okay. And then a fight happens and like forgiveness does not actually happen and everyone needs forgiving it. Um, so the only time you say I forgive you is if somebody comes to you and they say it. Man, I've wronged you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, but that sounds really weird because, like, a lot of you have probably heard teaching, even in church, that, like, if somebody's hurt you, you should go to them right now at the end of the service and say, I forgive you. Right? Mm-hmm. Y'all, I've heard, like, at least 20 sermons that said exactly that. But, like, it's really problematic because then it really becomes more you're saying, you hurt me. Right? And if if you're really, like, loaded down and you can't let go of it without saying you hurt me, that's a conversation. <laughs> that is not a, <laughs> you know, in which, in which case, you start with the I feel. We talk about this. If you've ever had a one-on-one with me, you've probably heard this. You start with, I felt hurt when, not like, you did, okay? Like, anytime you point the finger at somebody saying you, like, it's going to be really bad. Uh, it's going to go really bad. This is just like communication one-on-one. Eventually, you'll have a spouse. You'll have children. Just learn this now. Don't ever be you. Okay, just be like, I felt frustrated when you said this. <laughs> right, man? Like, it goes completely different. And sometimes people are like, you got too many feelings. I'm like, maybe. It still frustrated me. What do you think about that? Um, but you're not, like, coming at them. Okay? So, like, we want to we be careful when we're addressing others. A lot of times, most of the time, we're dealing with Forgiveness, it's something that can happen just between me and God. And, like, unless you feel absolutely led, and, like, if it's something big, I would, like, run it by a spiritual 
leader or authority in your life, okay? Like, usually we just let it go. And, and like, this is why. Like I said at the very beginning. Like, how many times have I hurt somebody that somebody else has, they just let it go? I don't have people coming to me all the time saying, like, you hurt me and you did this and you did that, right? And I know I can be a little bit prickly. And I can be, I can, like, talk way too much. And I can say things like, why are you walking away from me when I'm talking to you? You know, like, and they just let it go. Right? And they just let it go. I did that earlier, no shame. <laughs> and he let it go. He, he's not saying, like, you run me. Um, <laughs> thank you. Right? Like, but you, okay, like, how many times have people just let it go with us? You know, and, like, hopefully they talk to God about it. But it's like, so we can just pray and let it go. Most of the time. Um, the only time that's different is like when it comes to issues, though, you guys that have done D class for leadership with care fronting. Okay? Care fronting is the Matthew 18 like church discipline passage. Okay? But that is, we only care front, front for what? Sin. Yes. We only care front for sin. So you don't go to your brother and say, like, this trait about you annoys me. <laughs> Can you fix it, right? And if they don't fix it, you don't take two or three with you. Like, okay. And if they still don't fix it, you don't take the whole congregation and stand them up and be like, we all feel like this is annoying. Okay. That is not what that is. Okay. What it, what it is is if somebody has sin in their life and they need to deal with sin in their life. So if somebody hurts you and it's sin, then you might confront it, but you're going to do it biblically. And you're going to walk through forgiveness first or it's not going to go well. Right. You need to forgive them in your heart before you go talk to them. Um, so, it's a sobering fact that most people that we have to forgive don't even hurt, think they've done something wrong, right? And that's also why you don't go and say, like, I forgive you, because it's like, they may not think they did anything wrong, and it's just going to start a whole big thing. They may not know they did anything wrong, and, like, how cool would it be of us to not bring it up, right? Um, they did something illegal, they'll figure it out, like, <laughs> When the police come, okay. Um, so, and you just let the proper authorities take care of that. Um, but y'all, we've all sinned and we've all been sinned against. And Jesus gives us this prayer in order that we'll be forgiven our own sins and failures. And then in turn, show our gratitude for being forgiven by forgiving others. Um, so have you forgiven everyone who has hurt you, disappointed you, let you down? Will you let others off the hook as God has let you off the hook? Because this plea in, in Matthew, it's a covenant. It's an agreement that we will forgive as we ask for our forgiveness. And then, like, sometimes y'all talking through this, people say, but what if they aren't sorry? What if they aren't sorry? Well, you won't really know if you do it in private, just you, Lord, if they're sorry or not, right? But what if they aren't sorry? Um, so Kendall said about this, he said, if you wait until they're sorry, I predict you will go down to your own grave in bitterness. Um, because sometimes people aren't going to be sorry. But man, between you and God, you can make things right, and you can choose to forgive and trust he's going to deal with them. Because who was sorry when Jesus was hanging on the cross? Who was repenting when they were nailing the nails in his hands and in his feet? Instead of waiting for them to be sorry, Jesus prayed in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Right? He didn't wait for the, those Roman centurions to be like, we're sorry. And for those people, no. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so when we forgive, this is a concept I learned like a bunch of years back. Um, 
talking to a Christian counselor, because like I said, there's been some like real hurt in my life. But she said, you need to forgive until all the sting is gone. If you've ever dealt with forgiveness, this makes sense. So you pray to forgive until the sting is gone, until it doesn't hurt anymore. Um, and elsewhere in the Bible, it says we forgive and then we pray for our enemies, right? And so it's like, if you can't pray for them, probably not actually fully processed forgiving them. Um, but so, like, when we forgive, it'll remove that sting and that hurt. And um, she taught me this prayer, and it's been super helpful, so I'm going to teach you because it's, like, super easy, right? Um, but it's just to say this, to say, like, Lord, I forgive, fill in the blank, person, right? For, and then you tell God what they did, because it matters. It matters what they did. You're not just like, oh, I forgive them, right? I forgive, blank, for, and then tell God what they did. And then you say this and say, they were wrong, but I don't want to hold on to this anymore. Okay, because there's something really powerful about realizing that, like, that person hurt me in this way, and they were wrong, but I'm giving it to you. Okay? And that does a whole different ministry to our soul than just saying, like, I forgive them. Like, y'all, that's like, we're, we're like, I'm going to rush through this because it hurts, but it's a process. And there's a point in the process. Um, God is really serious about this. The Bible also promises in Psalm 147.3, it says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So God is faithful, like, as we forgive to do ministry to our hearts and heal us. Um, and then, so there's a P.S. to the Lord's Prayer. You guys ever, like, get a note from somebody or get an email and it says, P.S. It's like, one more thought. So Jesus, there's kind of a P.S. to the Lord's Prayer. Right after the prayer, he kind of adds this on before he moves on in the Sermon on the Mount. It says this, Matthew 6, 14 through 15. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. You guys, that's heavy. Jesus means business. When he says to forgive, this isn't the first time he's taught on this in the Sermon on the Mount. The first time we kind of see an inclination of it is in Matthew 5, 7. It says, blessed are the are the merciful. Then he goes on to explain in verse 21 and 22, Matthew chapter 5, that hate is the same as murder, right? So he's kind of like been building up to this. And then in uh, Matthew 5, 44, he clearly says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So he knows what he's asking us. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We all have hurts, we all have stories we could tell, and Jesus knows this because he says when. He says when, right? He says when you forgive. He doesn't say if, he says when. Um, we're totally to forgive, um, and then we're to pray sincerely for them and bless them. We sincerely forgive, and then we sincerely bless them, right? And Y'all, that's when you'll know if forgiveness has happened to your heart. If you can really pray for that person that was your enemy or that person that's hurt you, like you can, from your heart, pray that God blesses them in their life. You're not like, Lord, bless her and teach her. You know, <laughs> you're not there yet. Good try. Keep trying, though. Um, you know, but you know what I mean? Because sometimes we're like, and then, and you've got to teach them, okay, like if that's coming out, then we still need to work on forgiveness. But when you can really come to a place where you can bless and pray sincerely for the person that's hurt you, like you know God has done the work in your heart. Um, and so, like we kind of talked a little bit before about, about um, 
this, but like the consequences of unforgiveness, Jesus wants us to realize that this is serious. He wants us to take this seriously. Um, because God hates an unforgiving spirit. God hates in us when he sees unforgiveness because it shows that we're indifferent to the greatest thing that God ever did for us, which was when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Um, when we're forgiven, God wants us to be thankful and pass that on to others. And we're supposed to do that by what we say and by the transparent love in our lives. So if I've been forgiven, I refuse to give others like that displeases God, right? Because I'm like, Jesus, I want all the benefits of what you've done for me, but I don't want to give it to others. It stops with me. And God says, that's ugly, right? He's like, that's not how my children should be. If you're truly forgiven, you're willing to forgive and, and let it go. Um, so total forgiveness is a life sentence. It's a life commitment and something we are supposed to work for our entire lives for. It means refusing to punish the people that have hurt us and trusting that God's going to take care of them. Y'all, and there's examples of this like through the whole Bible. I think one of, another really good one from Genesis is Joseph. Right? Anyway, know the story of Joseph? So he was the favorite in his family. I don't, when, someday when you're parents, okay, do not pick a favorite time and tell all those children. <laughs> that makes family not fun, Okay. That's a great way for that child to be hated by their siblings. Um, but he was the favorite of his father. And so, like, one day they were all out, and the brothers got this great idea to throw him into a pit and fold him into slavery. And then they messed up his coat and told their dad he, he died. Okay. Um, and so Joseph goes through slavery. He ends up in prison. He does all of this, but through all of it, God blesses him, and he ends up... Um, in charge in the land of Egypt of, of all these stores of rations and people are coming from all over the world to get food. And these brothers, so many years ago, through their one brother in the pit, they show up in front of him. And it's, it's a long story. It's wonderful in the book of Genesis, so you guys should read it. Um, but they show up in front of him and they realize who each other are. And they kind of, they're like, uh, you know, because they thought he was dead, too, at this point. Um, or, like, gone. I mean, they never dreamed they're going to see him, and they're going to be, like, bound down to him and, and stuff. But he says, he says this, and it's so powerful. He says, God meant for evil, or what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So it's like God had worked that whole evil thing they did, and he had turned it around for the good. And not only was this family blessed, they had food during the famine, but it's like God gave him the wisdom that the famine was coming, the country stored up all these crops, and it saved, like, thousands of lives, right? All because, like, this dude's brother threw him in a pit, and he was sold into slavery how many years earlier. Like, God worked this horrible situation for the good, not just of him, not just of his family, but the entire country. You know, and so it's, like, such a cool picture to me, right there at the beginning of the Bible, of what God can do out of, like, a really ugly situation, but he can take it, and he can turn it, and he can work it for good. And I really believe he can do that through anything we've been through. Y'all, some of the most painful moments in my life are the things that God has used the most in ministry speaking to the lives of others. Um, you know, and I met a guy years and years ago. We were doing, like, just homeless ministry downtown Atlanta, witnessing to people. So I was talking to this dude in little five points outside a tattoo parlor, okay? And um, I was sharing the gospel with him. He was a believer, so he starts talking to me. And he said this, and I'll never forget it. His name was Mr. Frank. He said, your misery is your ministry. 
And I didn't understand it at the time, but then, like, as I went home and, like, prayed about it, the Lord started, pre- pre- like, speaking to me about it. And I've carried it with me for, like, years and years now. And it's your misery is your ministry. So, like, if there's something you're going through in your life and it is miserable, and now usually it involves other people. If you're really miserable, it's because you're hurt. Right? Like, we, we can be miserable in other situations. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we have financial trouble. But, y'all, I don't know what it is, but the thing that hurts the most a lot of times is it has to do with other people. But, like, your misery through Christ can become your ministry. It can become, like, this thing that, man, that person and the devil meant for evil, but God can turn around and use it for his glory and his kingdom to bring other people to Christ, to bring other people to freedom, right? And, like, that's really cool. So we, like, let go of the thing and trust God with it. The Lord um, can work in our lives and, and make something beautiful out of it. Um, so as we close tonight, I know we usually just, like, sit in our seats and do hands and and stuff, but the Lord put something kind of different on my heart. Um, and I just wanted to, like, give you guys a moment to respond because I think, if we're honest, like, everyone's been hurt, right? And um, there's never been a time that I've heard somebody teach on forgiveness that there wasn't at least one thing I could think of that I was like, I could forgive this or that. Um, so we've got pieces of paper up here. I didn't bring pens because I'm not the planner kind. Um, <laughs> But most of y'all have pins and stuff. But I put pieces of paper up here. And so, like, um, we're going to go sing a song for a minute. And I just want you guys to take a moment so y'all can go ahead and stand. This will be awkward. Everybody can do it together. Okay. Um, okay. So you're going to take a piece of paper. And, like, you can take it back to your seat. You can spread it out in the room, whatever, as we sing. I just encourage you guys to take a moment and pray and say, like, God, is there anybody I need to forgive? Okay? And then write it down. Because something for us, especially with forgiveness, is really powerful to, like, actually physically, like, do a deal. So you're going to write it down, and I want you to hold it in your hands, just you and the Lord, and, like, talk to him and say, God, help me to forgive. Okay? It might be one person for some of us. For some of us, I'm not going to hold it. It's okay. Whatever it is. Chris has all the pins. He's a hoarder, and we love him for it. Um, stop stealing this pin. Okay. So we're going to take a second, and we're going to write it down. And then when you're done, like when you're done and you feel like, like I'm ready to let it go, we brought a trash can. This is the Kaiofa version. We don't have a cross to nail things to, and we can't set fire in the UC. Um, because we are already got in trouble a week ago for pying people. Don't forgive her. <laughs> okay. But we have a trash can, and so we're going to, like, rip it up and put it in the trash can. And then y'all are like, cool, okay, so don't read other people's, like, you can rip it up good, but don't read other people's stuff, because that's just, don't do that. This is just to be a moment between, like, you and God to kind of, like, process um, if there's anybody in your heart you need to forgive. So... We're going to walk up there to sing the song. As we walk up there to sing the song, you guys all come get a piece of paper. Cool. Cool. Okay. So, Lord God, have your way and um, work in our hearts. Help us to forgive, Lord. In Jesus' name.